Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Tanevsky, and today I spoke with Swetha Janampali, the founder and CEO of New Incentives. New Incentives is an innovative nonprofit that uses small cash payments to boost childhood vaccinations. It operates in northwest Nigeria, which is a remote region with some of the lowest childhood vaccination rates in the world. In partnership with local governments, it provides these small cash transfers, typically around $11, to caregivers after their infants receive the vaccines provided in developed countries. It uses rigorous data and monitoring to ensure that the dollars it spends are making the biggest possible impact. Its amazing work has already doubled the rate of childhood vaccination in northwest Nigeria, leading to huge gains in the health of the communities involved. In New Incentives is constantly looking for ways to make an even greater impact. Welcome to Charity Talks. Today I'm here with Swetha Janampali, the founder and CEO of New Incentives. Swetha, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's a pleasure to speak with you and really love what Charity Talks is doing to inspire people around the world. Thank you. And to start, can you tell us about your background and how you came to New Incentives? Sure. So I have a background in program evaluation. Um, Before New Incentives, I was working with different uh, impact evaluation organizations that evaluated different domestic and international large-scale programs. Um, One we evaluated was the Teacher Incentive Fund in the United States. I came to New Incentives and started New Incentives in 2011. Um, The prior year, I was doing an internship with um, SIGA, the Center for Effective Global Action. And this was in SIGA's early days. I was um, an intern working with uh, Ted Miguel and Tamina Madden. And essentially, my role was to summarize different research articles by SIGA affiliates for inclusion on their website. And I was not that great of a summarizer, unfortunately. Um, but what that showed me was just the in, enormous scope of evidence behind conditional cash transfers and importantly, where they worked, where they didn't, for what types of populations and what type of health or education goals. And I was astonished by the findings in from CCT programs in Mexico, Brazil, and other countries. And so I just became very interested in this concept of giving cash directly to a household um, in a different country and being able to have a very clear uh, outcome linked to that or behavior change. And so I just kind of started searching for different ways to donate to a CCT. And I called hundreds of nonprofits and asked whether this could be explored. I really, at the time, did not think another charity needed to be started focused on CCT. So I also called different nonprofits asking, okay, if I put a team of volunteers together, can we help you test and explore this concept? And, you know, after getting a lot of no's, then I thought more about whether there needed to be a dedicated charity to introduce the CCT concept and strategy to philanthropy. And can you talk about New Incentives' mission in particular in connection to these innovative cash transfer programs? Yes. Um, so New Incentives, um, our approach is to utilize conditional cash transfers where time-limited conditional cash transfers can lead to a lifelong impact. 
And so we've explored different applications of the conditional cash transfer model. And we've today we're applying those to immunizations, which we started in 2016. And so we offer families um, the ability to earn up to about $11 over the course of five immunization visits in, during the first year of an infant's life. Nice. And I know that the cash transfers you give to low-income households are in return for fulfilling specific behavioral conditions. Can you tell us more about them? Yes. So all of the vaccines are supplied by government uh, clinics and other partners. And so what we do is we meet a caregiver at the point of initiation into the vaccination schedule, generally after birth. And then we track those conditions over the course of each visit. And how does New Incentives verify that the infants are vaccinated? So we do a couple things. We look for different indications that vaccines were actually administered and not just reported on vaccine records, um, known as child health cards in the context we're working in. And then we also assess different uh, clinic level data to see the volume of vaccines administered and then also ask caregivers to report the number of injectable vaccines they've received. We then triangulate that data to assess cases where we think there is a likelihood that a vaccine wasn't actually received, but maybe reported to be received, but our ca- the cash transfer was still paid out. So to us, the monitoring of the conditionality, which is the receipt of specific vaccines, is really important. Yeah, and another aspect of what I wanted to talk about, what you do, is I know that you really focus on impact, and over 240,000 mothers and infants are supported by new incentives in rural West Africa, which is amazing. So can you tell us about how new incentives is able to really track total impact? Yes. Um, so today we've now enrolled over 420,000 caregivers and infants, and we've distributed over 1.5 million cash transfers after verifying vaccinations. Um, and so we think about evidence and monitoring impact in a couple ways. Uh, the first is we worked with ID Insight, an independent research organization, to participate in a randomized control trial that was funded by GiveWell. And we were really excited by that study because it gave an opportunity for someone to independently measure against a control group the role of these conditional cash transfers, which moving forward, I'll just refer to as small cash incentives. So, you know, what that study found, that was a sample of over 160 clinics that were assigned to a treatment and control group. And the results of that study came out last year. So ID Insight went to over 40,000 households and surveyed over 5,000 eligible infants to determine their immunization status. And what they found was that clinics where we were to offer these small incentives compared to the control group saw an increase of 16 percentage points in the first vaccination visit, 21 percentage points in the next visit, and then all the way to the ninth month visit, a 14 percentage point increase. And so the overall impact they found was that the small incentives increased rates of full immunization by 27 percentage points. And so just to put that into context, that went to increasing rates from just over a quarter of infants in the control group to just over half in the treatment group. And so we have a long way to go to really get rates as high as we think they can um, get, but we were very um, encouraged by the randomized control trial results. 
Yeah, so a big question to us was, how can we incorporate this type of systematic measure, measurement and rigorous monitoring outside of the RCT? Because to us, it's not just about uh, implementing a program that's based on evidence, it's also the ability to take evidence-based decisions as we scale up. And so to us, the core of those decisions are where to work, you know, how long to offer the incentives in a given area, and to measure the effects of the incentives on immunization rates over time. And so um, starting this year, we've introduced a process to do household coverage surveys in new geographic areas before we expand so we can determine baseline immunization rates. And then every six months, understand the effect of the incentives on immunization rates and next year, we'll be doing that in control geography so we can understand natural changes in immunization rates in absence of the incentives over time. Yeah, and I know that you mentioned these randomized controlled trials. And could you just explain why do you think they are so important to what new incentives is doing, really? Yeah, I, I think the importance is about being able to take a step back and as objectively as possible and as rigorously answer whether what we're doing is having the intended impact. And so I think there's a lot of um, good intentions and good programs, but often we don't have an independent measurement about whether those programs are achieving the desired outcomes. And I think this is a huge problem in the sector in general. You know, when I was doing program evaluation, oftentimes the programs with maybe the clearest theories of change and the best attentions were not able to achieve the stated goals. And so that's why I think Having randomized control trials, which is a very rigorous form of measurement, allows the best answer to that question of whether we're having the impact we think. But of course, there are drawbacks. And that's why it's really important to have monitoring to complement randomized control trials so you can better interpret that information and really get into where things are not working as expected and troubleshoot them. Yeah. And can you elaborate on really what this monitoring looks like? Yeah, so we do um, really in-depth monitoring. And so we do that from the level of impact measurement. And like I mentioned, you know, which where should we work, which is, you know, the most important question when it comes to delivering cost-effective impact. But we also do that on a day-to-day basis to understand the adherence to our cash incentive protocols to understand if the funds are reaching the right people, and then also understanding just the authenticity of different expenses and activities. We want to always have a pulse on what's going on, no matter where we are in the world or where we're operating. We should have rich data to understand whether the funds we are utilizing are being deployed in the intended manner. Yeah, and another thing I want to bring up was that a lot of times mothers in West Africa are often stuck in a cycle of poverty, which forces them to make choices between, you know, their survival today and a better future for them and their children tomorrow. So can you explain more about how new incentives really breaks this cycle? I don't think that new incentives um, can say that today we alleviate poverty, but we, we, you know, that would require a larger cash transfer Mm -hmm. to, you know, substantially increase consumption. And so that's why in any, in any um, situation, it's really important to complement strategies like conditional cash transfers with unconditional cash transfers, because they both form an incredibly important foundation for social protection. But what we are doing is the areas where we work in, 
approximately 65% of people are living in poverty. And often anecdotally, we hear that this cash is the first cash women get to take home themselves and get to have greater say in the household. And it helps them mobilize household support to allow women to go to the clinics, which is often an issue where sometimes it's difficult for women to get permission from their spouse or others to go to the clinic to uptake vaccination. And so, uh, you know, another area that we think is um, the really important in terms of poverty is vaccines can greatly reduce future medical costs. And so, you know, there's different statistics out there. I think one shows that about $100 million um, is contributed to from medical bill impoverishment. And so that's where we think vaccines, it's not as widely understood, but can have enormous economic benefits and save future medical costs and due to both medical costs and lost wages due to medical issues that are prevented through vaccination. Yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense as well. And can you talk about how what you're doing is different from microfinancing? Yes. So the first aspect there is the conditional cash transfers are just cash transfers. They're not loans that need to be repaid. And the other difference is that there is so not only a payment, but it's also different because there's a behavioral element or condition that or goal that needs to be satisfied in order for a household or in our case, most often caregivers or mothers becoming eligible to receive the cash transfer. And also, I know you previously mentioned your work with GiveWell and the connection to new incentives. And, you know, for anyone who's not as familiar with what GiveWell does, can you just elaborate a little bit more on what it means to be a GiveWell charity? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think what it means to be a GiveWell top charity is always aiming for the most rigorous standards in terms of evidence, impact, cost effectiveness, and transparency. And so I think what that means to us is, are we asking ourselves the hardest questions about what we're doing and the impact it's having and constantly finding ways to question our hypothesis, our assumption, and our theory of impact to see at every stage whether the impact we think we're having is actually the impact we are having. And I think that's a large process, like even over the years of new incentives and the different program iterations we've gone through, achieving the pillars that GiveWell sets out related to evidence, cost effectiveness, room for more funding or scalability and transparently can sometimes come at odds. And so in a previous program where we applied conditional cash transfers to increase prevention of mother-to-child treatment of HIV, we found in a smaller randomized control trial that the cash incentives were increasing PMTCT services. But when we took a step back and realized the potential scope that that program could help, we were we were really not performing in terms of scalability and cost effectiveness. And so it's really all those pillars. How do you address each one to ultimately do the most good per dollar? And, and those are things we are still striving to do and do better at every day. Great. And I was also just, you know, curious about how, if at all, COVID has affected your work, especially since you are working in areas of such poverty. Yes, COVID has been really difficult, and especially with um, the right type of reporting and case detection and different challenges where we're working. 
Um, the biggest way this has affected us is because we're a demand generation program. So it was really important for us that we are not vectors of disease transmission. So what that you know meant to us is introducing a lot of safety measures and ways to monitor those measures to ensure proper distancing and crowd control as the incentives increased crowding and demand for immunization services. Then on the other hand, you know, COVID-19 has reduced uptake of childhood vaccinations. So it just means that the work required to make sure we maintain awareness around the importance of childhood vaccinations, address certain concerns related to distrust, vaccine hesitancy, and fear with coming to the clinic is something that's an active challenge that we take very seriously in our daily work. Yeah, I understand. And then I also want to bring up if, you know, you had any personal experiences you could share about how new incentives has helped a particular person or community or really anyone in your experience. Ooh, um, and lots of interesting stories. You know, it's so fun to visit the clinics and communities. I mean, I, I think one of my favorite ones is um, during a visit, um, after going to the clinic, you know, it's always a great opportunity to get feedback from caregivers and program participants. And so um, one thing I did is I took our program materials, which define basic things like um, how much incentives can be earned and what are the different immunization stages that need to be completed to become eligible. And so I asked a group of caregivers, you know, what was understandable and was alarmed to hear that nothing was. <laughs> so it was, it was very interesting that even though we had created these cards with local input by um, our team members who understood the language in different dialects, it really raised the importance of like always knowing your customers and going back to day one, you know, question one assumptions, which is really important as you grow. So it just shows that you always have to adapt and contextualize and constantly get input to make sure that program criteria are clear, which is important for fairness and transparency. Yeah, and I think it's really admirable how you are the founder and CEO, but you're also so involved in the work on a personal level. And I think that's really important with all charities. And so I think that's amazing. And, you know, before we conclude, I just wanted to ask you if there's anything else you'd like to add about new incentives or your work or really anything we may not have covered. I'm really grateful for everything Charity Talks is doing to inspire people around the world and especially um, increase awareness of the concrete actions people can take today to make real change in the world. And so that's really rewarding. And, you know, what we really appreciate is our team works so hard, you know, overcoming enormous obstacles to reach every single caregiver possible and work in remote areas. Sometimes they even have to travel across rivers and canoes to do their work. And so we really appreciate, you know, critical questioning and inquiries. And so if people have questions about our work or about how we implement our program or utilize data or make different decisions, we find it really motivating to get those questions and know what's on people's minds. Yeah, well, thank you again so much. I, I really appreciate having this conversation. I think a lot of people should be interested in getting involved. Thanks a lot, Brooke. It's a pleasure to speak with you.